to really get the grips of things, you've got to do this kind of research on all of the variables or, and on all of the different patterns. So it is a lot of work. You've got to kind of love it. And you can't also be too swayed biased by your data because sometimes overanalyzing data can make you make mistakes, which because there's two, you're, there's, there's intuition and there's data. And intuition and data should work together, right? But sometimes one outweighs the other and it can get you in trouble. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast, a podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Welcome to the Steady Trade Podcast. We have myself, Stephen Johnson, the veteran Tim Bowen, and the latest newcomer, Kim and Curtin. Uh, we I'm not a veteran. I just wear all of the military gear. I wish I was a veteran, but I'm not. But you're a, trade, you're a trading veteran. Well, I, I don't want. I want to be stealing. I don't want to be stealing any valor on this podcast. So, and um, I think I'm a veteran presenter. I've presented a lot of um, advertising presentations, but different to them, this one actually means something. So, I'm quite excited <laughs> to talk you guys through the importance. I'm sure, of your dollar clients volume. would be re- clients would be real happy. If they, if I don't, this, I'm this poor, but I'm never going back. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, Look, one of the most overlooked things in the stock market, one of the most overlooked elements or variables in the market is dollar volume. Now, a lot of people will look at volume, but few will look at dollar volume, which is why I really wanted to to bring it up um, for, for all of the steady trade audience because it's, it's a huge learning. And obviously, I mean, Tim, I don't know how you calculate dollar volume, but the way, I, the way I've done it and the way I work it out for this presentation is, I'll take the opening price of the stock for the dollar volume on the day and I'll, I'll times it by the volume on the day. So what did it open at? Say it opened at five. What was the dollar volume? It traded 100 million on the day. That would make the dollar volume 500 million because it, it traded five times the 100 million of the opening. Is that, that makes sense or do you have a different version? It totally makes sense. The only, what I do when I'm, is I like to take like, and I do this, you know, just, top of my head i like to base it based on like what what i would consider the average price yeah so let's say this thing's you know we're talking crazy runners and it went from one to five so what i would do is i would take like you know 350 times the daily shares that would be what now again that's how i look at it because especially and i see what you're doing and, and listen with any system it's just important to have a system but yeah. most of these stocks we're looking at day to day are those big pre-market movers. So to me, that opening price, I mean, it could be anywhere on the spectrum. So like if that, if that, if it was that crazy pre-market runner, I average and then multiply. So. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's a small difference, but, I, but, but the most important thing is, is that I want the audience to start getting in the habit of starting maybe tracking and tracking dollar volume, tracking volume, tracking percentage gainers, tracking patterns. And I just want to kind of talk you through a presentation of how I've looked at dollar volume 
through a specific system and found some pretty, uh, I mean, for me, it's some pretty incredible results. It's, it would have kept me out of, uh, the, what was the tick out of day? Uh, ITRM, yeah. It yeah, would yeah. it should have ITRM, right? It it would have yep. it would have kept yep. me out of that, and uh, and it it did keep me out of SPI, and 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 it's great, and it's I've spotted some really good long opportunities with the likes of Kodak and McRib, MCRB, and uh, and a few others. But I just want to, like I say, we'll not go on about it too much more. But I just want to show you the importance of not only volume but dollar volume in the market because when the demand outweighs the supply, we start seeing crazy shit, right? When there's so much demand, and by demand, I kind of look at demand in terms of volume. I know the shorts as well as longs, but I look at demand as in volume when there's so much demand and there's only limited supply, which in terms of is the float and how many shares are tradable on that day, including the institutional or insider traders. What happens when too much demand outweighs supply? And the results are quite statistical, quite, quite telling. I must have tracked a good couple of hundred stocks. So it's not like it's a small sample of like 10. I mean, some of the samples have got like six or seven because they're such outliers, but tracked a couple of hundred and, and the results are, are quite interesting. So I'll just... Yeah, I still take... remember one. I, I still on. remember one of your, one of my favorite quotes of yours. You know, I always say, you know, only price matters at the end of the day, only the price action matters. And it does. Yeah. But then I always say, but I always say, man, volume, you know, if, if price is here, man, volume is like, it's almost like if you're racing and it's like your half prices are like a step ahead of volume. And one of your favorite quotes, I think three years ago, you said this is price and volume are dance partners. And you have to think about that, that interaction, you know, you can't have a dance without both yeah. of them. So I've always appreciated that. Quote. Volume and um, float, right? Was it volume and float for partners? Yeah. Or yep. was it price and volume? But, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the prerequisite to this or the caveat, if you like, is that this is ultimately just one variable of 10. So it's not the secret of the market. It's not even close. It's just like, it's almost the way I see dollar, it's like a, it's a very in-depth look at dollar volume. And then maybe you need to take an in-depth look at float and news and sector and then see how they all kind of, I guess, dance together. Um, so I'm going to break it, break it down through several, several different, um, I guess, categories and groups. And now I name the categories and groups by based on how much dollar volume they've traded. So can you can see, can you see the screen? with Billionaire yeah. Club on? Yep, yep, we're good. Yep. Cool. So, so the Billionaire Club is the stocks that trade over a billion shares in terms of dollar volume. So the way it's categorized is 100 million, $10 stock at the open, you've hit a billion. Anything over 100 million, you've hit the billion, the Billionaire Club. Now, in relation to the Billionaire Club, I've only seen since I've been tracking this about a year because you've got to remember the volume hasn't been explosive in the market only in the last maybe three or four months since we've had this change in, change in life and change in perspective, I guess, when all of the Robin SRNE, came, when the I still came. remember, you know, I, th- I think May 15th was the day SRE traded 500 million shares in a day and something changed that day because that, you know, like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's September 30th. So that's what, you know, three, four months ago. That was that was like D Day, where just the volume just 
everything since SRNE on, on May 15th has been higher volume than I've ever seen. So, but and we don't know why that is the case. You can see maybe uh, some of the hedge funds are some of the people who will typically trade higher price stocks, maybe they've dropped in and jumped into penny stocks. Or you can say that because of the global circumstances in the world, there's so many new entries to the market. And I know that in terms of brokers having many more clients and signups, it could be a bit of both, right? Um, but the crazy thing about billion dollar volume, the way this is calculated, and like I say, I've probably gone back a year. If I've missed one, I'm sorry, but I don't think I have. I've only seen six, six or seven stocks, seven including uh, SPI, that have traded over a billion dollar volume that I can that I've seen maybe in the last six to twelve months, and I haven't seen one fail. I just want to quickly talk you through the bottom section. Do you see how it says gap go, gap hold, gap crap? Yeah. So gap and go means if it at the open, if the open, if the close in price was ten percent higher than the opening price that would be classed as a gap and go if it closed 10% higher than it opened. So if it opened at nine and it closed at 10 or above or 990 or above, it cl- off, sorry, 5% or 10% above, it would be a gap and go. If it was within a 5% range between its opening price, it would be, it would just mean it held and crap is just, it dumped out. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. No, okay. Kim, so, remember, remember yeah. you jump in too, because I mean, yeah. a lot of this stuff, you know, you know, cause, cause I mean, obviously we know a lot of our listeners are newer and for me, this might be, you know, rule of thumb, as they say. So yeah, definitely yeah. jump in, Kim, if you got questions. I don't, I don't think I understood what you just, uh, you said, does, does that make sense? It doesn't make a hundred percent sense to me, but I'm also, you know, aware that I may not know some basic things. Uh, but I, I can repeat it one more time because I, I kind of double track because I mixed it up. It's five so basically, if a stock opens at, say, $10, what I'm looking at is the closing price. So what does it close at in relation to the opening price? So if it opened at $10, I would, there's three classifications, a, class, a, gap, a gap and go, a gap and hold, and a gap and crap. The gap and go means that it, it closed higher than what it opened. So in essence, it, it, it gone, it went. The and I class that by a 5% increase from the opening price. So when you're looking at it, you're looking at what happened to it the day before. No, no, I'm looking at what happens specifically in that day. So from 9.30 till 4 p.m. If it opened at 9.30 at $10 and it had a 5% increase to $10.50 or 60 or 70 or anything above, that's a gap and go. It it gone forward, it went forward from its opening price in terms of in relation to its closing price. Where a gap and hold would be, it stayed, it didn't, it opened, it could have gone up or down, but ultimately it closed within a 5% range up or down. And a gap and crap is just, it just fell apart. But in very simplistic terms, a gap and go means it opened and went higher. A gap and crap means it opened and went lower. And a gap and hold means it just stayed the same on the day. Do you know what I mean? I think so. So, Tim and, and... Tell me if, if, I've, if there's maybe something that I've missed here, but I've not seen a stock trade a billion dollar volume and fail. Not, not on its first day. You know, I don't, I don't, the, here's my thing. My answer would be, I don't have that data, but I, <laughs> by no means would I argue with you. 
you know, you know, if, if you're like, listen, every one of these low price stocks that trades a billion dollars a day continues into the afternoon, gaps up the next day, I'd be like, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Doesn't I mean, surprise me one bit. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm, at the end of the day, you know, and I, I tell this story all the time, you know, the market ultimately, it's the stock market. It is a market. It's supply and demand. Yeah. And if there's enough freaking demand to make a billion dollars of stock trade hands in some sketchy piece of crap stock. I mean, obviously there's, there's more than a hundred buyers. There's more than a thousand buyers. I don't know what that number is, but there's gotta be hundreds of thousands of buyers or, or several huge buyers to support that. So that's the demand, you know? Yeah. yeah and, and is something Stephen you're using to, for more than one day? Say it again. Are you using this awareness now that you're you've come to? Are you using this for more than one day or Massi- just- massively? Yeah. So, for example, what I will do is say I'll look, I'll be able to categorize what is what what category or criteria the stock's going to fall into based on its pre-market volume. So, say for example, if a stock has traded twenty million volume pre-market, like we saw today, and for example, just say it's a, a ten dollar stock. I'd say, look, it's getting to 9.30. It's traded 20 million in the pre-market. I'm going to roughly estimate based on other data that it's going to trade 10 to 12 times that volume based on the pre-market volume, which means that 20 million pre-market times 10 is or times 11, 12. It's, it's roughly 200 to 240 million dollars volume on the day. Now, if you times that by its opening price, which says $10, that's 2.4 billion. Mm-hmm. So, when I'm looking at this pre-market, I can calculate roughly and approximately how much volume, dollar volume it's going to trade on the day. Then I can categorize it into one of these clubs or categories and say, I've not seen this fail before. It should be a long, look for the double bottom, look for the higher low. Or I am not shorting this under any circumstance because I've not seen one of these failing over a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm basically predicting because you can't predict the volume exactly, but you can say based on pre-market volume, it's going to be 10 to 12 times. It's going to open at this price. So I'm going to times it by that. You can forecast dollar volume and then categorize the trade and know the percentages of your success based on the last few years of tracking. So specifically dollar volume, just to show you some examples, WIMI, the type, when a, when a stock catches this kind of volume, you tend to see just big runs. Um, we also Man, just look at that beautiful day. Look at that beautiful SPI. day too. Back, back it up. Beautiful look day at... too as well. <laughs> now, not not everything is exact, and there's no exact science to the market, as Tim Sykes always says. But you can generally, generally see trends based on dollar volume of how stocks perform. Because the less dollar volume or the less volume, the less the less supply versus demand. Yeah. It, which means the less strength the stock has, which means the less it can run multiple days or the less it can hold up on the day. Or maybe if it's got really light dollar volume, which we'll come to see, the sooner it will fail on that day. We're even talking pre-market here. So with this super strong high dollar volume, billion plus dollar volume on the day, you start seeing crazy, crazy things like this. You get the runs from two to 45. And this is Kim. Kim, I don't, you know, I don't remember. I'm, I'm not sure what, go back to SPI. Yeah. I'm not sure what order the podcast will publish in, but I'm guessing the Nicola episode will come before this episode. And, you know, it, it was funny because I don't know if you remember from last week, Kim 
But <clears throat> Stephen and I were losing our minds when the stock was like at 17 and 18. <laughs> and we were like, I, we, you know, we, we were like, this is insane. This is madness. Okay. You know, meanwhile, we end the podcast and an hour later, it hit 46. <laughs> yeah, and if only I paid those $700 for that, uh, those hundred shares, <laughs> I made some okay money. Uh, but, but, and I haven't saved every example, but you've got the likes of Coda, KODK, AYRO. There's like, there's a, quite a few examples of these. But the most important point that I want to illustrate is that we see a lot of these hold say one and three go with this dollar volume and maybe two out of three hold, but nothing fails. So it's a relatively safe strategy to be buying the double bottoms. You see how you've got these long periods of consolidation in the fives on SBI. You've got some sort of, it's hard to explain, but you've got this kind of uh, inverted break. Um, there's several double bottoms. There's several, several VWAP reclaims where you could have bought SBI safely and you've got the data on your side. Uh, we all, but then... Is M- M- MCRB in the same? Yeah, and, and McRib as well. I've, I've included McRib. Four from 32. So when you get this billion dollar volume, you get these crazy runs. And McRib is an example of one that, that's held. You've got this crazy pre-market posh. You've got the 20s to the 30s, and then it just holds all day. So you can see it. It never, it never drops below its opening price. Do you know what I mean? It always holds it within five yep. percent. I've seen that with every single billion dollar stock that I've traded. So it's quite an interesting. And, that, and, then, and then what typically what happens with those is then you know that's see that's where you know there's multiple ways to skin a cat, as they say. Yeah, I love that with McRib. See what I call that afternoon action with McRib. That's just torturing the shorts. Is what I call it. And and we're, and and I've been there more times than I can admit but it's just like every poll holds 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 and these are the ones that get wild in after hours or in McRib's case I think it was the next morning it it it, it blew everybody up the next morning but yeah you can just two things you know if you're short these things and they refuse to break down in the afternoon man you just got to take your licks and and, and walk away because after hours pre-market now they'll they'll typically fail but not before they blow you up in after hours or pre-market, you know. But, but I mean, it's ultimately, and the reason they don't fail is because they've just, there's too much demand. There's too much volume. And then it's a, it's a hypothetical where people are like, well, everyone knows there's too much demand. So they don't cover or they don't sell because they know there's too much demand. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. But, and that chart, Stephen, was how many days uh, did it continue to hold? McRib, I don't know. Tim Bourne might be able to tell you. I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, I wonder if that one come down because LUB, that fast food company, that's freaking out and out to new highs. <laughs> guess, 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 guess what? Guess, take a guess, Stephen, at what McRib is at today. 12. 29. Is it really? That's Nothing dies. It's, it's 2020, man. I don't care how terrible these stocks are. Nothing dies. It's like, I mean, it's like you can keep pumping bullets in the back of the head of these piece of shit stocks. It's like the walking dead, man. It's getting ready to break out. This thing might break 30. That would be actually, if it closes at 29, at 29, it'll close at an all time high two months later. Yeah, and it'll probably go high on LUB and TUESQ. No volume. I mean, it's just. Three hundred thousand shares traded, but yeah. But now, nah, but the whole like WKHS, JKS, 
T-U-E-S-Q-L-U-B-M-C-R-B. I can, I can name like five off the top of my head, right? That are just holding, that shouldn't be holding. So Stephen, if, if with what just happened with McRib, is that something that you would, are you advocating that people use this tech, kind of technique or vision to get some back? The rooster's back, by the way, it's a new rooster. No, I, I mean, look, if you're along, I, yeah. I mean, it depends on your strategy. If you're along yeah. and you see something trading based on the what the data we've saw so far, if you see something over a billion, a billion potentially over a billion dollars, dollar volume, I, yeah. I would say if you're in relatively okay territory to look to buy those double bottoms, yeah, look to buy those high lows, to look to buy those BWAP reclaims. Um, but if you're short, I probably wouldn't short. You would do? Like, so now you just asked him, what was it at? Uh, do, do you regret that? you didn't like hold on to this one? No, no, I didn't even, I don't think I touched this. I might have tried to take very, very small size because of the gambler inside of me, but it's a no go. If there's that much demand, the price can only go higher. And that, that's the kind of the crux of, of everything. But I just want, I just want to show you guys some, some differences now. So if we look at the stocks that don't trade a billion plus, but trade from 500 million to a billion, the, the data and the pattern starts to change again. We don't see too many of these. I haven't recorded too many of these. The numbers come later, later on. Um, but we see a 30, 37% gap and go, 37% gap and hold, but only 25. But then we see 25% start to fail. So we start to see as the dollar volume starts to decrease, but it's still pretty high. We start to see um, stocks coming down a little bit. Or if they don't come down, they're not quite as strong as we initially saw. So with the likes of VBIV, if you compare VBIV to McRib or, or SPI, you see that because it's got lower dollar volume, it will have that push sometimes, but it, it can't really hold its high with as much strength. Um, it's kind of the same thing with Pixie, probably one of Tim Bone's favorites. PIXY, you'll, you'll see the push in the fours and the fives and the sixes, but generally that it might hold, it might fail. You don't tend to see as many of these run. Which brings me more to the more commonly categorized stocks. The, a lot of stocks, more stocks, will fall into the 250 by $500 million volume. And now, do you see how the tables are starting to turn? We're starting to see most of the stocks with 250 to $500 million volume, most of them actually fail from the open. 57% fail from the open, whereas 35% hold and only 7% will go. So if you're buying a stock with 250 to $500 million volume as categorized, you're talking like one in 10 will finish 5% higher compared to like a significantly higher percentage on the 500 to a billion dollar volume. And we start seeing stocks like maybe Vive, they'll have a push at the open, but they'll tail off. And there's quite, that's one of the more common- Oh, jump back that to that. I want to go to your first chart, would you? On, this one on VIV, the the China v, yeah okay yeah yeah I mean geez yeah it's just beautiful I mean you get that I mean and this is where you need patience but I mean you get that big you know big wick and then a candle closes next candle closes red and then you've just got lower highs the entire day so you know I talk about the nine forty rule all the time on the long side but man if you can if you can just wait ten freaking minutes. You know, you see so many of these when they set that top 
you get that first red five minute can. Well, you got 15 minutes, but the first five, there probably was a first five minute red. And then it's just lower highs, lower highs, lower highs all day. And then it gaps down the next day. Beautiful. So, yeah. And I mean, look, don't like, like as any good scientist would do, you try and you, you prove something and then you immediately try and find flaws in it, right? That's the, the, the best way you can be a data scientist. And I thought I, when I first found dollar volume, I found the percentages over a couple of hundred stocks tracked. I thought, thought shit, I've, I've cracked the key to the stock market. And then I realized I started taking big losses. <laughs> so dollar volume is, is only one variable. It's only part one of a 10 part story. Cause like the, you can say, oh, it falls into this dollar category. Maybe 50% of them fail or only one in 10 of these kind of stocks go. But you'll also find that the, the volume, the 250 million volume in relation to its previous chart history is massive. And I've seen tons of these run. So what I've actually found more importantly is that the dollar volume in relation to the rest of the daily volume on that, say, one-year chart is more important than than some of these stats, to be honest. But the stats are not lies. Do you know what I mean? The stats are the stats based on data. And when you go to 150 to 250 million, you start seeing that like and that's one, interesting. In four, one in five <laughs> fail. Yeah. So I just want to. Sh- I love this, by the way. I'm, 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 as a nerd, I just, I love this. I love, I love the lap. I love how lopsided your bar graphs are. You know, it's like we start out at Millionaire Club and it's the exact opposite of the 100 to 250, you know? Yeah, and and look, it just makes sense. I mean, you never want to be swayed by data. You never want to be biased. Price action is always trumps. And I think um, one of the guys, Jack Kellogg said it. He says, look, use your data to find your stocks, but then use price action to trade them. And I thought that was a beautiful thing because I was thinking, no, look, if it trades a billion, if it trades a billion dollars in dollar volume, I think I'm not going short of that. It's stupid. But if it trades 150 to 250 and it's got maybe some barcoders and it's in a weak sector. I'm thinking, ah, perfect. It aligns with the dollar volume. It aligns with the volume on the daily. It aligns with the float. It aligns with the sector. It's just, a, it's just, it's just about having like strong confirmation on, on dollar volume. I guess this is what it's about. So, so yeah, 73% fail, 23% hold three, 4% go if the ones that I've tracked are so pretty much one. And, and you start seeing, instead of seeing stocks with the billion dollar volume, just rampant, pre-market and then pushing then maybe with the three 500 billion or 250 to 500 million those kind of push and hold or they'll give you a bit of trouble during the day once you get below like 100 million you you, you start not all are the same some push on light volume there's those exceptions but you start seeing the pre-market failures because they don't have enough dollar volume to sustain themselves even through the opening because where with the billion dollar category demand outweighs supply with the 100 million category you start seeing supply outweigh demand so you start seeing the opposite effect and you get the fails like dpw uh, this is even lower again and you start seeing stuff like lone so when i see this light volume and then i see a terrible chart and i see bag holders i know that there's not enough volume on the day and there's not enough dollar volume to compensate for the bag holders who are going to get out therefore it's going to start failing pre-market unless something crazy or unexpected happens. And um, that is the presentation. It's, it sounds, it's, so it's, would you, you've got to share this with us, right? 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I can, uh, I can share it with you guys. But now one thing, you know, I always try and um, obviously, well, we all work for stocks to trade. But one thing I will say to everyone out there, I always try and kind of avoid the sales pitches. But that's the great thing about the screener in, in stocks to trade is you can get really granular. So I just, while we're sitting here, I ran a scan for a low float stock, traded over a billion dollars in volume. And you've got ASAN, which is a, a SANA which actually we use every day at Stocks to Trade. It's an IPO, okay? It's a day one IPO, but it's traded over 50 million shares at $30 a share. Yeah. And I mean, it, and it actually just broke the high of the day. It IPO'd about an hour ago. I mean, you could find these types of stocks. I mean, and, and IPOs ah. have been hot. You know, you can find these types of stocks with all the screeners. And, and let, you know, you could have, you know, if, if you copy... Steven's template, you know, you could, he had names for, you know, you could have a billionaire club screener. You could have a, you know, a, a 150 to 250. And the great thing about them is you can have all these screeners running and you now know, okay, here's one that's trading the dollar volume in the range I want. It's got the float I want. Then you did, then, then ultimately you got to look at the chart and you got to review it, but that's, you know, use the power of the machine, which is, you know, stocks to trade to let you get as crazy granular as you want. So do you guys think that those that sort of data tracking is critical to anybody who's going to be successful as a beginner trader? I think is, you know, like I mentioned, like, you know, it's, it's so, so let me, let me start over. <laughs> yes. Is the short answer. Okay. And it's interesting because, you know, even presenting all these well done slides that he's put all this time into and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that one. Oh yeah, I remember that one. I remember that. About, you know, I remember SRNE and I, re, you know, so at some point, a lot of it is just in your brain, but yeah. especially when you're early, early, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, you don't yeah. even know what you're looking for. So, I mean, I used to, I, well, I remember I shared my notebooks before yeah, I used to just track everything. I'd, I'd save charts, put them in binder because what you're trying to do and I think a lot of our guests would back this up. These stocks move fast. You know, the, you, you, you've got to get through that OODA loop, as they say, if you're familiar with the, the, the observe, orient, decide, and act loop, you know. And the more repetitions you do, the more tracking you do, the faster you can get through that OODA loop, which is developed by jet fighter pilots. And I don't know how you do that, without doing the type of stuff that Steven's doing, or it just takes you way longer. I think, I think by doing that data tracking, by looking for, trying to find things. I mean, I don't, I don't want to ask for Steven, but I'm, I'm guessing it was kind of exciting when he was like, whoa, you know, it's, a, and I think that is, that, that's part of the learning process. So how, how did it come about Steven? Were you just tracking data? It just, it always just comes from asking questions. And that's the, the best advice I can give to any trader. You've just got to ask questions to yourself and say, what's different about this stock than every other stock? Well, immediately obvious is like, wow, there's loads of volume. And then the next question you'd ask yourself is, does volume influence stock price? And then logically you'd think, yes, but I need to empirically prove it. Yeah. And then you start thinking, well, I wonder if this stock volume makes stocks move different at this stock volume. And then you, you just ask question after question after question. Then you think, how does this, how, how might volume relate to float? And 
and is there is there any nuances or outliers where volume doesn't matter so for example i started finding that very light volume can pre-market can cause stocks to rip uh, table no ped do you remember ped yep last month very very light volume they just rocketed that from the open um, but yeah, it's about just asking question after question after question. And it's like, how do I get profitable? Well, I need to find a pattern that's profitable. Well, which, which one do I see going up and which one do I see going down? Which stocks do I see running and which stocks do I see failing? The ones that are running, why are they running? What yeah. do they do before the run? What's the safest entry think, uh, on the run? You know, and, and this might even, this is probably more of Kim's specialty, but man, I think, Great job. And I think the biggest takeaway, you nailed it, is that asking yourself questions thing. I mean, I just talk with, you know, I talk with a lot of newer traders because of what I do. And people don't do that, man. They don't, they don't, they don't like question themselves and, you know, and they, you know, or they don't try and dig deeper. You know, they, they just, you know, they show up every day. They, they buy the big runner, you know, with no plan, you know, no checklist, no process, then it works. And they're like, woohoo, but they don't ask the questions. And then it doesn't work. And then they blame, you know, they blame the news, they blame the market makers, they blame something, but they don't, they don't ask those questions. And and man, that's a great takeaway. I think that's, that's the, uh, the title of the, the, the podcast, I think. <laughs> curiosity that's the key yeah. that is the key and and Stephen do you think too that you're like everybody has their lens right I I, I really feel everybody has the lens with, with which they see the world with which they see trading so do you think that there's a certain lens that brought you to notice this like of all the things you're probably tracking what do you think was the reason this one stood out to you no, well, I mean, I was just looking. I mean, I thought, look, what's the most common pattern that there could be that I can play over and over? Because if I want to learn a pattern, I want to learn the most common one that I see the most. Because I don't want to yeah. learn a pattern and then trade it once every two months. Yeah. Well, ah, these gappers, I could just find a way to learn how these gappers, which ones go up and which ones go down and why. So yeah. I just started asking questions. And I think trading is the most inquisitive. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's it's one of the most inquisitive disciplines there is because it's the one way you should ask the most questions the most times. I think it's you know I think I I've I've called it this. I think it's like, for lack of a better term, it's like poor man. It's it's like poor man science. Okay, it you is, know yeah. I can't I I can't do you know I can't go work at SpaceX. Okay, Elon ain't hiring me. Okay, you know, you might, you <laughs> you know I, hey listen I can I can I'm I'm handy. You know I know how to solder. Okay, but. <laughs> I I ain't working at SpaceX. I'm not working at Tesla, you know, or, or I'm not, I'm not helping develop a coronavirus vaccine. You know, all that stuff is way behind, you know, beyond my Cro-Magnon, you know, Neanderthal abilities. But what's great about uh, uh, trading is any can do it. I mean, you've got, you know, again, whether it's stocks to trade or there's a, there's think or swim, there's a million platforms out there. There's a million different screeners, you get a spreadsheet and you can start doing some science. And if you love this stuff, that's what I bring up all the time, man. You got to love this shit. And you can see it with Steven. I mean, he, he was doing this stuff in his free time, you know, because he was curious by it. He, he brought it to the podcast because he wanted to share it. 
He wasn't getting paid to do it. He wasn't, you know, it's not, he, he was intrigued. He was excited by it. And that's how we, how we came apart this thing. So, and that's what I love about trading. It's you can be as scientific as you want. I mean, we've, we've had ducks on the podcast before. I mean, geez, you want to talk about scientific approach to penny stocks. I mean, he's doing, he's doing SpaceX stuff on penny stocks. (laughs) Ducks, ducks should work for Tesla. (laughs) He probably could. He probably could. (laughs) But uh, but but like but I mean what I showed you guys is a, is a very small preview and and to really get the grips of things you've got to do this kind of research on all of the variables or and on all of the different patterns so it is a lot of work you've got to kind of love it and you can't also be too swayed biased by your data because sometimes overanalyzing data can make you make mistakes which because there's two you're, there's there's intuition and there's data and intuition and data should work together right. But sometimes one outweighs the other, and it can get you in trouble. Well, Stephen, I you know I would like to thank you for this for bringing this. This was your idea. I love it. Um, again, as a nerd, you know I, I love seeing this kind of stuff, and and we get asked about this a lot. I get asked about it a lot because you know we'll we'll say this in episodes you know all the time. Track your data. Track your data. Excuse me. And a lot of people say, well, how do I do that? And I think this was a great example. Yeah. Pick a variable, one variable. You know, again, that's, that's the scientific approach. Okay. You know, again, I'm no, I'm no scientist, but I know that the first thing you do is you, you know, you focus on one variable and you try and repeat that. You know, if, if I can, you know, if I can turn water into wine 75 times successfully every time, well, I now have the secret for water to wine. If I turn water to wine once, I'm just Jesus and I got lucky, you know, but so you got to, but that's the way you do it is track this stuff look for readability and focus on little things. So I just, I just love the fact that you did this, Stephen, like you are being autonomous. Like you, you've been learning from Tim and Tim Sykes and all these people. And yet then you said, well, what am I going to do? And I love that autonomy because that to me is part of maybe what some beginner traders are afraid of understandably I, I would be afraid and honestly I don't know if maybe you can go afford to go into that autonomy you guys tell me if I'm wrong but maybe you can't go to autonomy for the first two or three years like maybe you start to go to autonomy where you try to find your own uh, those patterns that make sense to you or that you're seeing over and over again after you've been doing this two or three years. What, what do you guys think about that? Am I right? Or yeah. is I've, I've always said, and I'm sure Tim will back up. Um, I've always said that you need probably most people, unless you're an absolute genius, are you highly, highly, highly intelligent, like Tesla style, vast majority, 96% of people, 95, 94, whatever, should go through some sort of educational package like i don't i would have never made it profitable never made it profitable unless i've been through the courses well i don't want to say you never never, but it would have been tough you'd be i think you'd be i think you'd be four years in where you are and be way way further behind where you are you know (laughs) yeah you absolutely need 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 to see other traders and how they trade and what they're doing and the why of what they're doing and the explanation and obviously you can get that in the challenge stocks the trade pro whatever other course 
like you need to see how different people trade and then and you need to be taught why the whys behind it and then eventually you start thinking you develop your caricature and your personality of how you want to trade then comes the data the analysis the practice the repetition the charts and the learning from mistakes yeah yeah i i think just what tim said earlier about those who are not asking themselves those questions that worries me because if you just think you're going to be able to get the answers all the time from somebody else, I think you've got to have a little bit of that courage to be like, okay, I've done the work. I've been trained. I've been studying. I'm looking for the patterns. And at some point you have to make the, the decision. You can't like be always asking somebody on Twitter, let's say, or in a chat room, is this what I should do? Like you have to be willing to kind of, make that mistake even. But that, that doesn't work. Like say, for example, Tim Bowen, every morning on Stacks to Trade Pro, you'll, you'll outline the dip and rips. And that's that's cool and that works and that gives a basic familiarity of what the pattern looks like. But I think the next stage is for people to say, I'm going to track every single dip and rip and see which ones work and why. And what my preferred entry is, is it the high of the day? Is it the 2 p.m. afternoon? Is it the double bottom at 9.40? Which one do I see work and which one am I comfortable with? But that's worse. See, that's it too, because a lot of these, you know, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, the pattern, you know, you got to find setups that work for you too. Again, you know, Stephen is, you know, Stephen has developed this style where he's ninety percent short. I used to be ninety percent short. You know, it's a, you got to find styles that work for you too. So it's like there's a million different patterns, a million different techniques: long, short, high price, low price. You know, crypto, forex, whatever it is. And you got to find what, because it just might not fit your personality. I know that might sound weird, but some of these things just might not jive with you. And, and that's why you got to track it. So. But, but look at Tim Grittani. I mean, I remember watching a webinar from Tim Grittani. He was like 99% short. He could not long for shit. And I'm seeing webinars this year where he says he's made more money long than short. It just starts, stuff started clicking for him and he started tracking the right things and and even for me, you, you change as a trader because I used to be short and heavy pre-market and heavy into pushes. And then like I made made a 1K trade on a first red day the other day and I thought that is so much easier than fighting with these top percent gainers on day one. That first red day because you've got the previous, the you've got the red green level on the previous day, Tim will know, and you're basically just shorting off that level. And I thought this is ridiculously easy compared to fighting these gappers and working which one's going to squeeze. I was like, what have I been doing for three years? So <laughs> you get safer and safer. There was a quote, right? There was a quote from some guy, Spiros, I can't remember the name of some hedge fund guy. And he said, what he liked to do is have a rookie with a veteran because the veteran would be safe, but the rookie would have the kind of the crazy ambition or the balls, if you like, and they'd the, the figure each other out and they'd be a good team. Fascinating. But I'm getting a cautious trade. I don't even like showing these gotten craps anymore. I'm, I'm done with them. <laughs> it's too, too dangerous. <laughs> Just to make sure I'm not hearing things. What did you say? No, honestly, like the. Yeah, me, meanwhile, he shorted ITRM an hour got, ago. And got squeezed as well. But I didn't add, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't add to the loser. I didn't add to the loser. I just sat there and prayed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, guys, um, I'd like to thank you. Thanks, Kim. Even thanks, Stephen, for putting this together. Um, as always, drop us a comment. Um, you know, we're always experimenting. You know, when when this was Stephen's idea. And he's like, what do you think about it? And I said, let's try it. You know, let's, because again, people ask about tracking data. So this is a little bit nitty gritty. You know, if you're on iTunes, I would definitely suggest jumping over to YouTube because I think we talked the way through it, but Stephen did have a bunch of charts. Uh, he had his own charts, like some bar graphs. He had some statistics and then the stock, actual stock charts. So um, I think we did a pretty good job of relaying what we were looking at, but, you know, head over to YouTube if you, if you wanted to, kind of actually see his slides even a whole slide deck and as always drop us a comment you know what did you the listener want out of the podcast kim steven and i love doing these we have a blast with them and but there's a million different things to talk about and you know interviews or breakdowns recaps chart patterns books you know there's a million things to talk we want to do what all of you want us to do you know that's kind of that's why we're here so to give value back so um, thanks again, Kim, Stephen. Thanks again to everyone out there. Any links, etc. head over to SteadyTrade.com. Everything will be linked in the blog post. And we'll see you next time.